Welcome to the Sparkcom podcast. Today we have a, a jam-packed uh, half hour here with lots of uh, innovative thinking and conversation. Uh, how are you doing today, Adam? I'm doing great, Manny. How is life in Tucson? Life is warm. Life is warm and, and a little hot sometimes. Um, just like the housing market, which is one of the things we're going to talk about today, is not only the, um, the sort of the run-of-the-mill housing market as we know it, but some innovative trends in the market. And we have a, a special guest today. Um, his name is, is Ryan um, Egan. And Ryan is a, a Tucson native who is a real estate broker um, who has done some very innovative things with his co-founder. He's founded a company called Stackhouse. Uh, how are you doing today, uh, Ryan? Very well. Thank you for having me, Manny. Sorry about that photo. I'm using Janelle's computer. <laughs> no problem. No problem at all. So uh, Adam, meet uh, Ryan. And uh, today we're going to talk about some very innovative concepts uh, surrounding the housing market. So um, let's just start right on on the conversation. Ryan, why don't you talk about what Stackhouse is at a very top level? And then uh, I want to get Adam's thoughts on it as it pertains to trends in uh, these global trends we talk about. Um, so go ahead, Ryan. Sure, uh, thank you very much for having me. Uh, so Stackhouse is sort of a hybrid ownership system that I came up with while I was entitling land for condo development in San Francisco. Um, and so I was trying to figure out how a city that had shared so many of my beliefs about how we would get to affordable housing and how to do it best was getting it so wrong. And my, um, my conclusion was that I had to figure out a way that I could build housing outside of the city and bring it in in order to make that affordable. And the only way to do that was to use uh, federal HUD certified homes. Uh, and so the magic sauce of Stackhouse is that we designed a tower that is code compliant as a multifamily housing development. So we can build it anywhere. You can build an apartment building. And then we integrate these manufactured homes that are federally approved and code compliant so they don't have to be re-inspected when they get to each new city. Um, so it allows us to put a type of housing that would generally be excluded by the zoning into um, a downtown market. And that's the whole magic of Stackhouse. So um, we own a piece of property here in Tucson uh, and we're going to be building approximately 49 homes on just over 10,000 square feet of land. It's a six-story development. Uh, the home started $45,000, and then we charge a fee um, to park it or lock it into the bay, and that supplies all of your utilities as well. Um, so cable, internet, water, um, electric, all of that comes to the unit included in the cost of that um, bay charge. So that's Stackhouse in a nutshell. I'd love to hear what you think. How big are these units? So to start off, we're using a 40-foot high box. So it's 320 square feet of private indoor space. But as someone who has lived in a lot of small homes and small apartments, it was important to me that I don't share a wall with someone else. Um, so your unit is separate and not connected to anyone else's. And you have a wraparound porch. So you have your own private outdoor space as well. So um, the total private square footage to you is about 500 square feet. All right, Adam, you have any thoughts on, um, on how this 
uh, new idea, new trend is, uh, will lay into the, the global trends we talk about? Well, I, I'd like to ask Ryan. So um, what markets are you trying to appeal to? Who's your, first of all, who's your target customer? So market by customer, and then tell me your target market by geography. So initially we thought our target market would just be millennials. There's a whole generation of people who have rented their entire lives and they are not really equipped to flip houses, which was the traditional way you would enter a market. Um, not only that, they're competing with a lot of downsizing baby boomers who have a lot more financial strength to take down those properties. Um, so millennials who have a professional uh, vocation, something in like the Forty to seventy-five thousand dollar a year range, depending on the city in which they live. Um, but in Tucson, we're also seeing a lot of baby boomers who have signed up for um, our development. Uh, they like the idea that they can lock into a kind of housing that they can rely on, and the costs are fixed, so they can budget for the rest of their lives that way. Um, as far as markets go, I have. Um, coined it our blue dot strategy. So we're looking for um, sort of liberally progressive cities in red states where the business environment is friendly, but the city and planning departments are open to innovation and new ideas. So we're starting in Tucson. Our next four markets are Denver, Austin, San Antonio, and Seattle. Now, are these things uh, called stack house because you literally stack them? Yes. So, um, the name Stackhouse came after two weeks of not sleeping and Googling every different kind of container development. And, you know, certainly someone else was doing this already and we should just go join their effort and help them out. Um, but none of the units directly sit on top of one another. So we build a structure um, that I have designed and patented along with help from our architect um, that has a central shaft um, that is kind of like um, an atrium in a European building where you could see from side to side all the way up the center. But we use that to lift the container up through the center of the building and then slide it into its location. So it's never permanently attached and therefore never subject to the real property laws of that local city. Okay, so these are container homes. That's the first time I think I've heard you say that. Okay. Yes, sir. We picked the container primarily because it's the least expensive dimension to ship around the world. So if we went even uh, eight inches wider than a shipping container, we have to get wide load permits to move it down the road and it just becomes a much bigger headache. So while we're not committed necessarily to containers, we are committed to those dimensions and then building on those dimensions. So we do see a double wide unit, um, additional just buy a bedroom and add it on to your container home eventually. Well, so far, the only real reason you've sort of expressed to me that I might want to buy one of these things is if I'm poor. You said affordable housing. And that's all you, you haven't said anything about this that makes it a better lifestyle or gives me something that fills my needs unless I'm poor and can't afford a regular house. Is that really your market? Poor people? No, not at all. We, we are sort of um, opposed to the types of housing, period. So stack house is in a perfect world we're building new land in all of these cities and then you custom design your own house and move it from piece of land to piece of land in each city that you'd like to live in um, we don't want to be an affordable housing development we don't want to be a student housing development um, we are a platform for you to put your custom type of housing into so what makes your housing great 
it's brand new. You can design it to meet your specific needs. So if you want a studio with a giant bathtub and Viking appliances, we can accommodate that. If you want two bedrooms, because you want to be able to lock a little one away, we've been able to fit two bedrooms in that uh, floor plan. Um, the additional benefit is the price. It starts at $45,000 and that is everything that you need in that house, washer, dryer, dishwasher, um, everything. Okay, so we got a few things going on here, Manny, and I'm gonna jump in with a couple of ideas for feedback for Ryan. Um, thinking about the entrepreneurs out there that are paying attention to this and thinking about what they could learn. I'll let you get back into it, Manny. Um, the first thing I wanna identify with you is that you really need to work on your value proposition. Um, when you say it's affordable, you're saying it's cheap, and that will never succeed long-term. Never. It is not innovative to be cheap. It is innovative to fit people's needs. So let's say that there's a trend towards tiny homes. I, I see the television programs about tiny homes. I understand people are building tiny homes. I don't know much about that trend. I, know it, I don't know if it's small. I don't know if it's large. I don't know how fast it's growing. I, like I said, I just know it's on television. But you really better get to where you understand that. What are driving people to want tiny homes? Why do they want to be in those? And what are their needs? Because, like I said, if you just walk up to somebody and say, hey, I got a cheap house, they're going to say, hey, I can go over ghetto and get one of those. There's a lot of ways I can get cheap housing, you know? So you can, price is never an innovation. Get that? Price is never an innovation. Now, what you may be able to do is meet people's needs in a way that's lower cost. And that can be advantageous but you first have to meet their needs. And one of the things I haven't heard you say in five minutes or 10 minutes of talking here is what needs you're fulfilling other than people are poor and can't afford a house. And so you better work on that. You better get something out there that's, that really gets compelling that would say that door I, Adam Hartung would say, I want to take a look at this. I want to know more about this. Um, maybe this is something that will fit me because I have this need, right? But right now, if you just tell me it's affordable housing, I'm just going to flip on by. If my son comes over and says it's affordable housing, I'll say, hey, Junior, you want me to loan you some money so you can get a better house? I mean, there's all kinds of ways to beat that price problem. Now, I'll admit San Francisco is a unique situation where people pay a million dollars for something the size of a container home, right? That's a unique market, though, and I sure wouldn't build a business model around that because that's so unique. So when you're out there in Tucson or Phoenix or Las Vegas or you go to Chicago, Minneapolis, or any other city, you've got to know the need that you're fulfilling, and the need isn't just low price. Let me tell you, the second reason it's not low price is if it is low price, and you get good at it, somebody with a lot of money, I'm talking millions of dollars on a private equity firm, will say, hey, look what Ryan did down in Tucson. Let's scale that up, and they'll throw 50 or $100 million at it immediately, and you'll lose it. You'll lose the market. All right, Ryan. Well, one of the things we talk about at Spark Partners is looking at, at these trends happening in the world, right? And uh, it's important to recognize that as an entrepreneur, as a startup guy, you believe that your idea is gold. And that what, that's what makes you a, an entrepreneur. That's what makes me an entrepreneur as well as, as um, Zadam. So it's a little bit of a, of a push and pull between what you think is gold and what the market thinks that you are. And so that's what we're trying to tease at here as, as a perspective that is you're not selling, like Adam said, if you want an affordable home, you can go buy a $45,000 uh, foreclosed home that's trashed, you know, put 50K into it. And now you've got something that is durable uh, real estate that, ha that has a very long history of a, of a market. 
which you're creating here, which you're teasing at, which you're looking at around the market is something that is completely innovative, but you don't have the value proposition nailed yet. You feel it in your gut, but what Adam and I are here, we're testing is what is the true value of what you're, of what you're producing? Um, and so, you know, when you look at the perspective of the, of the customer, you, you don't want students, uh, you don't want affordable housing. So you've got to have a, you know, you believe that, that the cost is the value, right, to you. But really, what is the value? Is it, is it portability? Is it that they can move from here to, if they're snowbirds, they can pack up their house and go back to, uh, you know, Wisconsin? Um, is it that they're extremely active people and they, they spend summers in, in San Diego, so they want to have a, an affordable house or something there? I mean, so we want to tease out that true value. Any yeah, thoughts I, on that? I think, um, so the, maybe the value proposition is more access. And I couch that access through affordability, right? If you can't afford to buy in that neighborhood, then you don't have access. And Stackhouse allows um, greater access to the best neighborhoods in the most expensive cities in the country. So we build brand new custom housing uh, that you design specifically for your needs from top to bottom and put it in the best, nicest neighborhoods in the city. All right, well, I think that's getting to something, right? But, Is that a little um, closer, Adam? <laughs> it, it's, it's a start, but again, I can customize so many types of housing, right? I mean, it, I, there are people out there building tiny homes for $15,000 that they can roll around behind a you know, truck. Um, there have been mobile homes for my whole entire life, right? Now, you know, you just got to find a place that you're going to park the thing. Uh, and that's far less expensive than what you're talking about. So if you want to be affordable, you know, go live in what they call a resort here in Vegas. <laughs> it was called mobile home park when I was a kid. You know, there's, there's more affordable solutions than what you have. What I'm saying is you're not the cheapest thing on the block. You are less expensive than some other stuff, but you're more expensive than other stuff. And so you've got to figure out, well, why is my, my proposition so unique? What is it that I'm giving people that is a, a unique value proposition that they're going to want what I have, right? And, and affordability is not enough. It's like Manny said. Now, say you have somebody who's mobile and they'd like the idea of, can, can I, does this thing slot in and out of some kind of superstructure in a way that I can pull it out put, and, you know, and, you know, and send it to Texas and then I can take it to Chicago or something like that? Is this, you know, and so if I'm mobile, mobile's a very big trend. People are very mobile these days. Is this something that I could use in a mobile context? You know? Now you're starting to find a real need that somebody has, right, that's not met. Because the need of I want low cost housing is met. It's just not met in your mind particularly well, right? But that's in your mind that's not met particularly well. You've got to find a customer segment that's big that says that my needs aren't met. And once they see your solution, they go, that's what I want, right? And so that, that has to be, you need to define who that customer is that's going to really want it. Right now you're bouncing around. Oh, we got some young people, millennials that never own a home. We got some baby boomers that are retiring at one end. What, yeah, that's spaghetti marketing. You're just throwing it up against what? Saying, hey, here's my affordable stack house. Who wants to buy one, right? And you're hoping you're lucky enough that eventually people will buy it. But you're really depending on luck because you still don't know who your target is yet. 
So if I, if you were asking me to invest in you, I would be doing so the questions I'd be saying, why should I give you money to invest in your company? Unless I know for sure that you're going to be able to go out and build a you know, hundred thousand of these things around the world. And so far that's not there, right? You haven't answered that question yet. And, and I know in the back of my mind, what's lingering in the back of my mind is that there's a lot of places that still have zoning against manufactured housing. You know, there's a bias against it in the marketplaces that exist today. And so some guy who comes along and says, I can build some little tiny house on a piece of dirt. He's right now today going to have an easier road to go because of zoning restrictions that don't allow mobile homes or manufactured housing to be put in place. Right. So in the back of my mind, I say, you've got a big negative here. And that's that there's a lot of markets that don't like manufactured housing, especially in the United States. You got to break through that. You got to break through a mindset that people have about manufactured housing. So you got to get through those negatives. And, you, and, and we haven't even, you know, I, 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 to get to the negatives, I got to have a positive first, right? Right? I'm not going to go fighting, well, you know, can I get it zoned, whatever, unless I really want it. And, and right now, I'm still trying to figure out from you why I would really want it. And, and I say this because, as Manny said, there's a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I've been in the innovation business for 20 years. You know, it's all I do. And so I get to see lots and lots and lots of cool stuff. There's a reason that some little cool stuff actually succeeds. And it's usually because it just isn't unique enough. Well, think of the Segway. Man, that was cool. I, I mean, that, that was a cool thing. And it's gone. It's bankrupt. The product, of, you know, the, the company's gone now. Right. Yeah. And so why? Because they never figured out who really needed it. Why do I really need a Segway? I could get a bicycle. I could get a motorcycle. I could get a small car. And there's all these things I could use. Why do I want a Segway? And they never defined that. And because they never defined it, they never developed a marketplace. Yeah. It's important to be, to be cognizant of the, the word trendy with real trends. Yeah. I mean, I think what you have, uh, if you talk to people and like the Segway was very trendy but it didn't really follow a real trend. Right. A, a real, I mean, trends are like a river, right? They're just going and they're pushing everything forward. The market's pushing all these things forward. And, and you're at, this, at one bank and you wanna to get to the other side. Well, it's not gonna happen because you're gonna be washed away by the trends. So what you wanna to try to find is that river that, is, that aligns with what you're doing if you wanna be able to grow at that level. Nothing to say you can't be a little cottage industry uh, and you might have, you might, you might, you might eke out a little bit of a, of a, you know, a salary, you'll be fine. Right. Or if you really want to make a big impact, you got to land on one of those trends. You got to, it's like digging for oil. You got to hit on one of those trends. If you want to make it to the high level, maybe something to the effect of, I mean, you're kind of teasing at putting people in very expensive areas. Well, if that's the case, then you have to rechange your whole value statement. And it's not going to be, you know, Austin is expensive-ish, but go to Singapore, right? Yeah. Go to these crazy places, go to Hong Kong, where, where this could really make a big bang. You know, Moscow, these places where the downtowns are ridiculously expensive. And maybe New York City it would, is the only place that would even kind of compete because they're so much more expensive than, than what we're used to. Yeah, I... I agree. Tucson wasn't chosen because it's the most profitable place. It's the place that we can build the fastest. And in planning and zoning and real estate in general, it's sort of, you're making two arguments at the same time. You're making the, the structural planning argument to the, the city, and you're also making the political argument that you're 
city needs this type of housing. And if we, we were just concerned that if we started with San Francisco, we would die in the planning department four years in as they tried to finally figure out what we were talking about. Um, whereas if we build it here in Tucson first, we can take that building and essentially stamp it out like franchises across the U.S. Um, at least that's our, that's our hope. Okay. Well, let me, uh, I'm going to ask Adam to uh, talk to you about the four global trends, major trends. Again, trends are like these rivers, right? You have the, the Amazon, you have the Mississippi, you have these giant rivers, and then you have little rivers of other micro trends and, and regional trends and whatnot. So Adam, yeah. can you talk about the four major trends that we, we see? Sure. And I want to make sure you understand that there are a lot more trends than these four, right? There are demographic trends happening today. America is getting older. America is getting darker. There's all kinds of demographic trends. Then I think that's really important. You need to understand demographics if you're going to be in the housing industry. But the four big trends that affect everybody and they're global, number one is mobility, right? Everybody's getting more and more mobile. The tools out there, if you help people get mobile, you're on top of a big trend. Number two is the gig economy. People no longer are going to be going to work for the Boeings and the United Airlines of the world and expecting to spend their careers there, right? The pandemic is only making that more obvious today as these giant corporations are laying even more people off. People are getting more self-reliant, right? They're saying, okay, I can't depend on the company to take care of me. I maybe can't even depend on a job or a career. I have to be gig. I have to think about how do I be self-reliant. That's the second one. Um, the third one is I want to be able to uh, be asynchronous with my life. Right now, we're all here together, and that takes three times as much energy as if we had found a way that I could do my part and each of you could do your part, and we just had Amanda put the whole thing together at another time, right? We, we takes, it takes energy, it takes resources to be synchronous with a phone call, a Zoom call, or whatever. So what we do is we like asynchronous. That's why we like texting. It's asynchronous, for example. Email is asynchronous. If you can help people live their life and be far more productive because they, they, it gives them more time in their life, then that's helping with being asynchronous. And the last thing is we, we, everybody's expecting artificial intelligence. We don't use that word, but we just expect things to be smart. You know, we want to be in a situation where our car knows the way to work. So, that, you know, we get in the car, it just... It, drives there for us, right? That's why autonomous vehicles are going to be a big hit because it's going to learn where I want to go and then it's going to go there. And, you know, uh, we bring these speakers into our house, it's Alexa speakers, and then we let it listen to everything we say all day long, which is a little bit remarkable because it learns who we are and then goes and shops for our groceries and things like that, right? So we build, what, what we look for when we buy something, we always look to see, is it, is it smart? Does it know what I want? Is it built in? So, you know, if you can add intelligence to the product in a way that makes my life easy, like, I, you know, if I know, they know who I, when I walk up to the door, they know it's me and the door opens. If it's anybody else, then the bolt slams shut, right? And the house is smart. It knows what temperature I like. It knows whatever, right, down the, down the road. And we've talked about smart homes. But one thing, conventional housing has not been good at building smart homes, right? Apartment buildings, condo buildings, developers have not been good at putting intelligence into these things. First of all, it's kind of pricey in their opinion. They always want to go as cheap as they possibly can, and they don't want to add that in, and then they fear it won't work, right? And they fear that technology will move quicker than they move, which is generally true, and they want to, don't want to have technology in a building that three years from now is considered obsolete, and they have to upgrade it before they can sell it, right? 
So those are the four big trends, right? You want to be mobile, you want to be asynchronous, you want to support people in the gig economy, and you want to be able to, um, what did I do? Gig economy, and you want to help people with, by giving them intelligence in your product. Yeah, it's something to keep in mind also um, is uh, something that is, it is praised a lot by the startup community that uh, it cuts, it's kind of like the nails on the chalkboard for me whenever I hear people say it. And I, I know where it's coming from, just like many things in life, it's coming from, a, from love, but it doesn't always speak to the right place. And that is the, the term customer validation. Customer mm -hmm. validation is one of those uh, words that's thrown around the startup community that makes a lot of sense. Hell, go talk to 100 people. And if they want to buy, you've got something interesting, right? And I think that's, it's cool. But if it doesn't align with the trend that we're talking about here, if it, then it's not going to go anywhere. These are going to be blips in the radar. Uh, you're not going to get a full swath. You're gonna, there's going to be some bias. So, you know, I had a conversation with the other day with a, with a student who just got out of, of uh, business school. And I asked her what she was doing. And she mentioned, well, we're doing validation. Well, have you built anything yet? No, no, we're just talking to customers. All right, so at what point are you going to actually build something, even if it's a mock-up, right? Uh, just to really test the market because otherwise you're just still just talking and people want to be nice to you. So they'll say, oh yeah, that sounds really interesting. But until you get cash in hand and you've got some interaction, then that is the beginning as long as you align to one of those big trends that we're talking about. Yeah. I'm, <clears throat> I'm both heartened and uh, upset with myself because I feel like we hit every single one of those four uh, key trends and I, I need to do a better job of communicating that. We have smart tech built in so you can set your AC and turn the lights off or on before you get there and uh, all of that. We can remove your house and send it to the next city and attach it um, to the building there so you can take your custom home with you um, for the rest of your life. Um, and as far as the gig economy goes, same thing. That's how I came up with this. I was doing that sort of work myself um, and thought this type of housing would be ideal for me. Uh, yeah, I just, I need to- that needs to be your lead, I need to right? do some work on messaging. I'm sorry? That's your lead. You lead with that stuff. You don't lead with, oh, I was living somewhere and nobody had a place to live and they were, you know, it was expensive. Don't lead with that. Don't lead with, I'm cheap. <laughs> <laughs> Right? With, hey, I've got housing that is mobile and it's smart and it meets your needs. And then you tell me the needs it meets. And you go, oh, and by the way, would you like to see a picture of what it looks like now? You know, would you like me to, you know, now tell me something that fits my needs. Get me excited. Oh, that does fit my needs. I am interested in that. That could be a better solution than what I have today. And then you say, yeah, well, part of it is you need to have this thing that's small. It needs to be HUD approved. It needs, a, you start saying all these other things and not kind of, oh, I never thought about that. And you did that for me? Okay, thanks. That's great. Good, cool, cool. And eventually after all this one, I'm ready, then I'll finally say, well, how much does it cost? You see, that's the last question. I, you want to, if it's the last question, how much does it cost? You almost got me, you almost got my wallet open at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think true. from a, a marketing perspective, you know, um, I consider myself a marketer, uh, among other things, uh, a good judge of whiskey sometimes too. But <laughs> if, you, if you look at the perspective of you want to go in bold and you want to use Tucson as you just, you got to be real clear that Tucson is just a, a proving ground for the, the concept of the manufacturing concept, not the actual 
marketing concept. Because I mean, I know that Tucson's growing and we have an interesting downtown coming, but there's lots of housing that's coming downtown and you're gonna appeal to those very early adopters that wanna have the latest widget, but it's not gonna stick. And if you have, you consider the RV industry right now is, is it was kind of going flat. Now it's coming back up because of COVID. People don't want to go to a hotel room in some strange city. They want to take their stuff with them. Um, yep. So if you want to consider, I just thought about another concept of the, the aging population, another trend that we have no control of, you know, it's a different kind of trend, but the aging population, you can consider um, the, okay, they live in the big house, then they go to the independent living, right? So it's a bunch of these houses scattered around and there's maybe a central tennis court and this and that, right? And then you go to the next level of assisted living where maybe these things are like, like, a, like a hub thing. There's a center hub with the nursing staff or the, the caretakers and you get these people around. And then you get to the next level of the full-blown full uh, nursing home, right? And so they can stay yeah. in their home from from A to Z, right? So that could be another, I'm just, I'm just spitballing, right? So you wanna make sure that you come out bold with, this is what we are doing. We're using Tucson as, a, as a, a manufacturing test bed. Our goal is to put one of these homes in Singapore or wherever, one of these stack houses in Singapore where it really matters, right? I don't know if San, San, San Francisco may matter, but you might look at other, other areas. So as you're filling up your first, you get your first one built, it's gonna be proof of concept. Everybody wants to see proof of concept. But if you've got your, if, if you have a smorgasbord of America living in that, then whenever you go to build the second one, the, the people are gonna say, well, who's the buyer, right? Mm -hmm. And if you say, well, everybody likes it, then you're gonna get the answer, well, no, that, that's meaningless, right? But now let's imagine you build your second one in a very affluent community. And you say that these cost, let's say, $50,000 or $55,000, but you can't buy it unless you can prove you have a net worth of $500,000 or greater. Now what happens if you fill that, now you can go to other high net worth communities and say, you know, government would like you to have housing that's affordable, right? I can give you affordable housing that wealthy people want to live in. Right. And now they're going to say, well, we've been against manufactured housing. And you can say, well, but maybe you should rethink that. Right. Because I now have a solution that your target customer for your community, you want wealthy people. We can do that. We can give them a, we can give them housing that they want that meets affordability criteria. So it's very important what you that you know this customer when you go to build your second unit. Proof of concept, but, but tease this out. What is it you're going for, right? Because you said, well, I'm not going for students. Well, maybe you should. Maybe you should be putting this next to universities because that might be a great market for it. I, I, you know, I'm not sure right now because I don't know. But that's what Manny and I, I think are trying to get at with you is like, if you know who the customer is and you get them and you prove that they will want it, regulators are much more compliant when they think the community will be happy. They're going to yeah. be hard to deal with if they think the community's going to go thumbs down whenever the thing shows in the door. So you're, you're going to have to start to pick these targets very intentionally to demonstrate that you, you are, have a product that your target wants to buy. Yeah. And perhaps I misspoke. It's, we're not opposed to having students live in the housing or having seniors live in stack house. It's just that we're not labeling it as 
just student housing, like the Annex or uh, Cascade downtown Tucson is just student housing. Um, in an attempt to prove it, we um, sent out uh, an email to all of our followers last April and asked them for just a small non-refundable $100 deposit for a space in that tower. And we received uh, 29 reservations in 72 hours. And we asked them uh, how much they plan to spend on their home, how much they plan to spend on rents and what sort of location within the tower they were hoping to get. And it was pretty much even from in the Tucson development, we're charging $650 to $1,200, depending on the view and the size of your space. And it's pretty much even throughout that. So we're hoping that we will have that proof for the next market um, in hand when we get there. It's the reason that we focus on affordability is because when you get to those very expensive um, real estate markets, there are a lot of penalties that they charge for market rate housing or luxury housing. And if they think we're building that, we're going to have to pay all those fees. And now our product isn't quite as inexpensive to build as it once was. So you're making another entrepreneurial mistake. You're yes, trying sir. to shoehorn your solution into the world as it exists today. If you're truly innovative and you're on a, a big trend, the world will come to your way of thinking, right? So, so whenever Apple launched off the iPod, right? It was not what everybody wanted. It was not what everybody had. And they didn't fit the format. You know, it wasn't a radio. You couldn't put a CD in it. You couldn't, you know, yeah. it was a unique thing, right? So you've got a proof of concept that you're doing today, right? But just remember, that's all it is. Okay, you know, 29 people or whatever gave you 100 bucks, and you're going to sell this thing out, and you're going to, on 35 or however many units you're going to sell. Okay, that's proof of concept. That's good. But you're a long way from saying, I've got innovative housing that could be really attractive, that could become a, a very important part of the marketplace. That's where these next markets are, are going to be very critical in terms of what you want to, how you pick them. Because it is undeniable you will get to the point, you will have to say, we are going to build this stack house because it is going to be targeted at student housing. We're building this stack house because it's targeted at senior living, you know, age 55 or older. We're building this stack house and you're gonna to have to say who your targets are because the longer you avoid that, the more you genericize your product and the less likely you'll exceed as an innovator. Yep, and uh, one last comment I'll say here before we wrap, wrap up is be very wary when you send out those, uh, those your followers and, uh, because those people like you and they want to see you succeed. Yeah. And they're, they're going to, they're going to do what, and it may not be in the, in front of them. It's maybe deep in their subconscious. They're going to act in ways that support you. What you really want to consider is where is the market going? Not where it is. Yes. And with that, uh, Ryan, would you please tell um, our listeners um, how they can learn more about your company? Absolutely. So our website is stackhouse.life. Um, and then we are currently raising money for our prototype build here in Tucson on WeFunder. Uh, that's wefunder.com slash stackhouse.tucson. Um, so you can invest just like you would in Kickstarter, but uh, end up with equity in our company. All right. Well, fantastic. What's your email address? Ryan at stackhouse.life. R-Y-A-N at stackhouse.life. Thank you. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ryan and Adam, for being on our show today. Uh, we will be 
talking next week on more innovative concepts and looking forward to um, continuing the conversation. Thank, Thank you, Ryan, and good luck. I really hope you're successful. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Manny.